Hello and welcome to the Stag Student Podcast. This week's episode was recorded pretty much exactly two years ago at a student lunch event. Pierce Johnny talks about evangelism, tells us some of his life story and why he cares so much about telling people about Jesus. It's a good episode, we're in for a treat. Pierce is a doctor here in Cambridge and runs one of our student Bible study groups. In this episode, he's interviewed by Alex Weston. She used to be a student worker here at Stag. I love this episode a lot. There are so many good stories and Bible encouragements. And it's particularly relevant for us as we look towards another mission week with the Christian Union. I hope that you enjoy listening and that it's as helpful for you as it has been for me. So I suppose, um, talking about me, my life's been slightly topsy-turvy as we think about it. Uh, you see, I was born in this tiny, tiny village in the middle of Africa um, with no basic amenities, no electricity, no water, no roads, perhaps best of all, no school. But now I live in this beautiful city of Cambridge. I work here as a doctor. I'm married to Fiona, who's there. We have two children, Olivia and Nathaniel. I grew up in that village speaking Swahili and Gujarati, but now I speak English most of the time. I grew up in this Hindu household, but now I'm a Christian. So that sums up my life so far. Super. Tell us how you became a Christian. Um, this was um, in London. Um, I, I, was, uh, I just qualified after my first degree. Um, I'd done dentistry first. I was working um, as a surgeon in maxillofacial surgery. Some of you may know about that. Um, and I was introduced to this course in the church a bit like um, Arena or Christianity Explored or Alpha, one of those type courses. Um, you see, because outwardly, I was quite successful. I had a good job. I'd passed all my postgraduate exams. I'd bought, just bought a new car. I had loads of friends. But inwardly, I was a complete mess, particularly a moral mess. I'd done some things I really regretted and I was deeply ashamed about. So I went to this course just to... Um, see if they, it would help me. And the course was a course where they explored the Christian faith um, and explored the claims of Christ. Um, I was at that time a young, angry man. I was troubled, and I think I was probably quite unpleasant in that course. Um, every time I asked questions, I had loads of questions. Every time I asked questions, they would answer the questions from the Bible which irritated me, because I'd never owned a Bible, I'd never read a Bible. As far as I was concerned, it was an ancient document. What made me really cross, though, was the um, the exclusive nature of the Christian faith. They said that the only way to God was through Jesus, and therefore my family, my siblings, myself, all Hindus, were not just misguided, were wrong um, in what they believed. I was also given a Bible um, by the group. Um, and you know, I, for some reason, I just couldn't stop reading the Bible every morning, every evening. I spent hours just reading and reading the Bible. Then one evening, the group discussed um, the cross of Jesus, the cross on which Jesus died. Um, I think 90% of what they discussed went completely over my head. Didn't understand any of it. Uh, but I did understand this, that through this cross, I could have a new beginning. My past, all the things I was ashamed about, could be wiped clean, my guilt could be taken away, and I could have 
this new start with Christ. <clears throat> so that was 23rd of February, 1992. The cold, dark evening, I went home and knelt by my bed and prayed for the first time to Jesus. And life's never been the same again. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And today, see, today's lunchtime is all about um, sharing Jesus, doing evangelism, speaking to people about Jesus. Can you remember the first time that you spoke to someone about Jesus and how did you find that? Mm. Yes, yeah, so um, about three months or so after I became a Christian, I was keen to tell people about my new life in Christ. So I joined a course, um, training in evangelism. And part of the course was some homework. And the homework was I had to engage two people in the week and tell them about Jesus. It was it's very hard. And ended the course, we were then, we all as a, as a group, we went to Oxford on a mission. And I was asked to address about 60 odd people from a street corner and tell them why I became a Christian. I was absolutely petrified. I was shaking like a leaf all the way through. <laughs> that was my first time. How, how did it go? Uh, I think I was... I mumbled a few things, I think, yeah. <laughs> but it was terrifying. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that as well. And I, I wanted to ask you about motivation. So, because I guess it, it is scary the, fir the first time you share the gospel, or scary. Why, why do you want to share the gospel with people and kind of put yourself in, in those situations? Thank you. Um, so this is when those verses we looked at come in. I think hopefully we'll see from those verses that our God is a missionary God. And I learned this very early on through the UCCF talk. Do you know that talk's never left me? And talked about a God who is a missionary God. Let me just explain what, what basically I learned then. That evangelism is rooted in the very nature of God. Bible reveals that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are basically missionary God is missionary God. So as you looked at that verse in Abraham in, in, um, in Genesis about Abraham, and God promises that He will bless all the peoples of the earth through Abraham. God's purpose in the Bible is encapsulated by this particular promise, namely to bless all the nations through Christ, who is a seed of Abraham. And the rest of the Bible, I suppose, is an unfolding of that promise. And I'm here today as a Christian, we're here today as a Christian, as part of that promise um, to us. Secondly, Christ of the New Testament is also a missionary Christ. And we saw that again. He came to seek and save the lost. I don't know if you know about David Livingston. He, um, he was a missionary to the part of the world where I grew up. And he wrote once to his sister Agnes, and this is what he wrote. He said, God has but one son, and he is a missionary son. I am therefore a missionary, heart and soul. I am a poor, poor imitation of him, but in his service I hope to live, and in, in it I will die. David Livingston said that just as Christ is a missionary son, David Livingston wants to live his life in reflection of that. And we then move on through the Bible. Um, we'll, look, we'll go through the Acts, and as we, if you probably read in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, we saw that Jesus promises that through the power of the Spirit, 
the gospel will go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the end of the world. And as we read Acts throughout, we see this unstoppable march of the gospel going from place to place to place. And finally, chapter 28, it reaches Jerusalem, oh, it reaches Rome, sorry, which at that time was the capital of the known world. So the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The church, by church I mean we are church, the people of God. We've been called from darkness into his wonderful light. Why? Well, to proclaim him and to declare his praises. So the church, therefore, is the missionary church. And finally, as we saw again from Revelations, there will be, at the end, a huge community, a gathering which nobody can count. Every tribe, every nation, every people, every language, they all will be there. Even Indians like me will be there. Um, and it will be wonderful. At that point, God's promise to Abraham will be fulfilled. Um, and there'll be people there which nobody can come. Vast, vast thing. And that so encourages me because our labor, our task in evangelism is not futile. It will one day end up as part of that gathering just there. So, for me as a Christian, do I belong to God? Well, he's a missionary God, God the Father. Do I believe in Christ? Well, he is a missionary son. Do I claim to have the Holy Spirit within me? Well, actually, it's a missionary spirit. Am I part of his church? It's a missionary society. Do I hope to go to heaven? I do. Well, actually, it'll be a missionary community up there. Mission is the heart of God, and therefore, for me, for all his followers, it should be part of our heart too. Thank you. It's huge, isn't it? The, what God is like and his character. It's God's and identity, us, yeah. and therefore it has to be yeah. our identity. Yeah. We can't deny that. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thanks, Piers. Can you tell us about any more motivations? Yes, I think the other thing, I just want to say also, that, you know, it's, it's such, such good news. Jesus calls his gospel good news. But, you know, I think it's the best news ever. I'm, I'm quite old, I'm grey, I know lots of things, um, but nothing I know which makes more sense of life than the gospel of Jesus. You know, in terms of my work, my marriage, my family, my disappointments, um, I see people dying all the time, even death, in everything, nothing makes more sense of life to me than this. Can I tell you about... Um, a conversation I had two days mm, ago. Please do. Um, a dear friend of mine, um, she's called Liz. I've known her for 30 odd years. And when Liz's father was about to die, he said to Liz, um, Liz, just remember this. In Christ, you have everything. I don't know what you would say to somebody when you're about to die, what advice you would give. He said, in Christ, you have everything. Now Liz, is sadly now has terminal cancer too. And she said she wants to say the same thing to her children. This is such a precious thing we have. Um, and I want to share this to my family, to my friends. Um, it's such a wonderful thing that we have to share to other people. And that's the other reason. Mm, in Christ we have everything. Mm, mm. Yeah, thank you. Keep going. This is, this is so helpful. More. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> um, I suppose, I suppose also, do you know, um, 
I think it's also a privilege um, to share Christ. Let me explain. Let me just try and, if you call turn, perhaps Alice, you could read this for us. Acts 17. Okay, one on for Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Thank you. So, I'm struck by that, aren't you? Um, he does not need my service. He is not served by my human hands. He can do without my evangelism or my desire to tell people because he himself gives life and breath and everything else. So why does he ask us to be involved? Why does he want me to be involved? I take it it must be because it's good for me. And you know, it's, I find this so true in my life. Um, the more I speak about Jesus, the more I see the effect is on people, the more I understand the wonderful good news about the gospel and the power of the gospel. Um, another story? Mm. Let me tell you a story about my sister. Um, so ever since I became a Christian 30 odd years ago, I've been praying for my family. Um, and a few years ago, about two or three years ago, my sister came to faith. And it was wonderful. Um, after 30 odd years of prayers. And I, I did a silly thing. I caught on a she was getting baptized. So I caught a plane on a Saturday, went to Toronto, and got there Saturday night, went to the baptism Sunday morning, caught the plane back home, and then went back to work on Monday. Wow. It was a, <laughs> I wasn't going to miss my sister's yeah. baptism for anything. But um, then she was too terrified to tell my parents, who are still Hindus. Um, but one day, my parents went to stay with my sister. And my sister, if you knew my sister before she was a Christian, she was a fierce lady. <laughs> she would get cross with people. She would be in your face Countless times a day. She just had a very short temper, very cross and did all the time. Mum and Dad went to stay with her for a few weeks. And Mum said, Puni, what's happened to you? You're much calmer. You're not getting angry so much. And my sister Puni burst into tears. And she said, Mum, it's because I met Jesus. And for me to see the power of the gospel change somebody, well, actually, it's a privilege. So God enables us to be in this task to teach us and to help us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so we're, we're going to move on. So we've seen lots about um, privilege and, and why the gospel is good news and, um, and to be motivated to do that. Um, but I think evangelism can still feel quite hard and quite difficult today. Why is evangelism so difficult for us? Do you know, um, it's difficult, but then it always has been and it always will be. I suppose we only have to look at the, the early church, the, 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 um, the, the book of Acts. Um, as soon as Peter proclaims the gospel and the church begins to be founded, immediately there is persecution. So for example, I just made a few notes here. So chapter four, Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin, so were put into uh, prison. Chapter five, all the apostles were gathered up and persecuted and brought into jail. Chapter six, we see Stephen being seized 
Chapter 7, he's stoned and he's killed. Chapter 8, there's a great persecution and a scattering of the people of God. By scattering, I think what they mean is that they had to leave behind their homes, their land, their possessions, they became refugees, and they just had to flee. So it always was this. And as we go on and on, read Acts, we see this time and time again. But together with that, we also see this wonderful march, as we saw, of the gospel from chapter 1 to chapter 8. And you know, when I, when I speak to people, and invite people to events, more often than not, more people would say no to me than say yes. But a few will say yes, and they will believe the life will be transformed, and it makes all the effort worth it. That's so, I think that's so helpful because sometimes we can think, oh, maybe it's, it's particularly hard, it's particularly our culture, but actually it's always been the case that it's been hard and yet God is at work mm, and, mm. and he will do his work. Mm. I yeah. suppose, just, just to add to that, um, do you know the greatest evangelist was Paul? Mm. Yet if, you ask, if you read his request for prayers, he prays um, that he'd be given um, strength, that he wouldn't be scared, He'd be given words, he'd be clear. So he prays that he'll be fearless. He'd be given words for the gospel, that he would have clarity, that people would listen to him, the door of the gospel would be open to him. He himself was fearful and worried. And if he was, um, I think it's natural for the we will be too. Thank you. And can you tell us about prayer? So what role um, has and does prayer play in your evangelism? Um, I think it plays every role, really, in the sense that because every time, as we all know, every time anybody comes to Christ, it is uh, a miracle. It is somebody being brought from death to life. And the dead person can't do that. Um, it has to be God which does this. God grants understanding, opens eyes, opens ears, softens hearts, helps us to listen, and it's God who does that. And so God is the initiator. He's the beginner and the completer of that work. All we are doing is being witnesses to that. So we have to pray. Um, and um, you heard about me praying for my sister um, for 30 years, and she came to faith. Um, let me tell you this lovely story about more immediate prayer. Um, I used to run a course here, and there's a girl called uh, Nicole who came to a Cambridge graduate. She came to the course and became a Christian. And she was delighted, but also very sad. Because her husband, she said, not only would he never become a Christian, he would never even come to a course like this. And we agreed that she would pray and I would pray. The next course, Nick, her husband, was there. And ended the course, he was a Christian, and now he's a warden at the church in Cambridge at St. Matthews. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, so God yeah. answers prayers. Not immediately sometimes, like my sister. Um, but we keep going. Um, but sometimes more often. Yeah, so prayer is absolutely central. It's central to it, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a really helpful reminder mm -hmm. to us, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you as well about um, what it means to have an evangelistic lifestyle, if that makes sense. So um, after you became a Christian, what what has that meant for for your life, for your lifestyle? Like what sort of things have you been up to in terms of your evangelism? Um, so I can see the time's running on. So just a brief summary. So um, after, soon after I became a Christian, that October, 
I went back to university and went, went back to med school mm. and became uh, a student again. And I joined the CU, I became the outreach sec and then the president. And we did lots of things in the CU. Mm. Um, we had events every term. We had two missions with Dick Lucas coming along. I even put on a Pierce's pizza pie party. <laughs> even invitations were in the, in the letter P. <laughs> But you know, it was it was creative, <laughs> but a bit of a flop. But never mind. <laughs> it was creative in the sense that all my year turned up completely to listen to it, and it was it, it was huge. Everybody came, but it was a flop because I I was, show, I was showing the film uh, by the Christian faith, but I hadn't seen the film myself first. Mm. It was a bit cringy. It was a bit American, and the lesson was: if you plan an event. Do it meticulously, the best you can, and watch everything clearly. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, lots, did lots of people through that became Christians. Um, some more people, so Jenny and Ian. Jenny came to faith. I had a wonderful privilege of praying with Jenny in a church balcony. She married Ian. Ian's now a warden at Fulwood Church in Sheffield. The son, Nick, is uh, my godson. Um, after that, I went to... I qualified and belonged, went to All Souls Church, which is my church. And I got together with a curate there. And we decided um, that we'd start up an evangelistic group. So we met in his flat, um, and he went well. And the group grew, so we had to have it two nights a week. It grew even bigger. So we moved from there into All Souls Church. And before we knew it, 50 or 60 people were coming to this thing. Um, and Chris left as he was a curate, and a new person came in. New person was Rico Tice. And you can see where this is going. The group then ended up and led to the formation of Christianity Explored. Um, so it was great to see that. And again, lovely, lovely stories. I could, I could tell you about people who came to faith, but we haven't got time. <laughs> okay, well, people can grab you afterwards and, and hear more. Okay, we're going to end with um, some kind of advice to, um, to us in different situations. So, um, yeah, I think perhaps lots of us here will will think, um, oh, but Pierce, I'm just I'm just not very gifted in evangelism. I'm not very, not very. I don't feel very good at sharing the gospel um, mm. with Jesus. I know I feel like that. What what advice do you mm. have? Well, I think first thing I want to say is that as we saw, the Holy Spirit is an evangelistic missionary spirit, and we all have the spirit within us, um, and it's. Um, to have the spirit is to speak about Jesus. Um, and we don't have to be very gifted at all. Do you remember John chapter 1? Take you back to that. Um, Andrew, all he did was said to Peter, come and meet Jesus. Philip, all he did to Nathaniel, he said, come and see. Next week we'll do a study about the blind man. And his testimony is, I was blind, but now I see. Well, I can say that. I was lost, but now I have new life in me. And what does that mean to me? And we can all say that. You can all say, come to this event. Come and see Jesus. Come and see what makes sense. So we can make, begin to make starts. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so ma making starts. Mm. Make, come and just hear something. Mm. And, yeah. And um, what about if... So we've got uh, the Christi Cambridge Christian Union Events Week 
uh, happening in a week's time. And I know um, lots of us, not most of us, will be um, involved in that in some way. What, what would you, any advice for when a week like that feels quite scary? Mm-hmm. It just really scares us the thought of a, a week yeah, like yeah. that. I think it's understandable. Um, I think my wife will tell you that every time I put on a breakfast, um, um, I put on breakfast in, in Cambridge for folks to come to about, about Christ. Um, and every time I put on, I think it's going to be a complete flop. <laughs> I think nobody's going to show up at all. It's all going to go downhill. Um, so it leads me to pray. Um, and uh, I then rely not on my strength, but on his strength, which is strength as me. Um, and you know, it's never been a flop. God's always been faithful and answered prayers. Um, and he can answer prayers about the main event. He can answer prayers as you pray for those friends, as you want to invite them. He will open doors for the gospel. He does so. Um, he did so this morning. But before I run this, this afternoon, um, this morning, sorry, before I prayed, before I went, I prayed that I speak about Jesus to Oli. And we chat about all sorts of things. He's also a surgeon. And he did. He answered. And we had a lovely chat running. So just show that I run very slow to be able to talk. <laughs> Slow running, but the power of the okay. spirit to help you. <laughs> um, okay, two, two final things. So what about if um, we don't know people very well? So perhaps freshers here have just arrived. It's only been a term with, with knowing people. What, what if you feel, I don't, I don't know people very well in order to share the gospel with them? What would you say? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you lots of examples of people, you know, young freshers who came to Cambridge and somebody just took an interest in them and... They came to faith and became Christians. So um, I think as I, as I think about my evangelism, I think I have different circles. I have my main circle, of course, my family and my siblings and my children, uh, then my work colleagues, then as I go on, then I just meet people outside. And you know, those meetings aren't random. As we saw in Acts 17, God ordains even my meetings about who I meet, who my next door colleague is. Um, I tell you a lovely story about a girl. I came to church one day some years ago, and I sat next to a girl who wasn't a Christian. We got talking, and I said, I asked her about her faith, and she said, I'm not a believer. So that, at that time, I was running a course at our home, so in my tutor, next, morning, next day, she was at the course, and she became a Christian. So even that meeting, yeah. I met her for the, for the first time, but even that led to... Um, so. Yeah. We'll have long-standing friends or just acquaintances or you may just have a chance meeting. Um, just be prayerful and ask God to lead you to people. Yeah, brilliant. And then final, final one. So um, other end of the spectrum, perhaps uh, someone here is a, a finalist and um, they've perhaps um, had shared, shared the gospel before with friends and it feels like friends don't, don't really want to know anymore. What, what, what would you say into that situation? Well, I think I would um, um, say, well, actually, um, this chap I run with, Ollie, who is a surgeon, and I've known him for 10 odd years. I've nagged him and nagged him. Um, he's come to some breakfast, but he hasn't come to a lot of the things. He says no more often than he says yes. But you know, he's still a friend. I still want to love him. I still want to pray for him. So I pray for him regularly. Um, so today we were running, and I said, Ollie, um, I have to give this talk at church today. And um, I have to tell people why I want to share Christ with people. What do you think I should say? <laughs> why, why do I nag you so much, Ollie? Why do I tell you? He said, I suppose, Pierre, she said, because um, 
you want to tell people what you believe. I said, actually, Ali is much more than that. Mm. Uh, it's something which makes sense of everything. Mm. It is so precious um, mm. that if, if I don't share that with my friend, who can I share it with? Mm. And he doesn't always listen, but he's, I still maintain that friendship. One day, I keep praying that God will open. So although people say no, they're not people on projects, you see. We don't just, they are friends and we love them. And it's through that God will actually um, yeah, bring the gospel. Shall I tell you about another story? <laughs> um, this was, a, this was a, in London. Um, I'd, um, I was running a course and this girl was there who was quite intelligent, very bright. Um, she used to ask these questions. I would struggle to answer them. And one day she asked a question and she said, she asked a question and I couldn't answer it. And I said, well, actually, you know, I'll look it up. I'll come back to you next week. By next week, she was a Christian. How did that happen? So I asked her, what happened? And you know what she said? She said, when you said you could not answer it and you look it up, you just made me feel that you are honest and you're genuine and what you say about all the other things are true. And you know, it's so humbling for me to remember that. It's not my arguments, it's not my eloquence, it's nothing at all. My negative answer led to somebody coming to faith. So. You know, we can all make starts. Um, there are lots of resources out there. You all begin to learn. And I used to make a point of reading a, a book on evangelism, every course I led. And over the years, I've read many, many books. So I think we, small steps, bit by bit, we start. And they always say, I'll come back to you, like I did. Lord, thank you um, so much for this reminder of uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, um, how um, good it is, how um, good he is. Um, please help us to be um, motivated um, in sharing um, the gospel. Pray that it would come from from um, from our hearts and something that you help us with and do within us. Please help us when we find it difficult. Please help us when we've never done it before. Um, please would um, you... Um, it just really encourage us um, in that, even if it's those um, small um, little steps and help us to remember that it's your power at work. Um, you're the one who brings people to know you and not us. Pray that give us lots of reassurance as we um, set about um, seeking to share the gospel with other people. In Jesus' name, amen.